last few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. We're glad that you're joining us here today and you're in for a treat. As you know, we're always looking to give you the tools and resources that you need to advance your career. And today, we have a guest who's going to help us do that, Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley. And he is a licensed physician in private practice and also has been, uh, or, sorry, like licensed clinical psychologist. Oh, goodness. Licensed clinical psychologist and has been on the faculty at Harvard Medical School and lectured all over the place and been uh, appeared on many regional and national news outlets. So it is truly an honor for us to have you here, Dr. Sierra McCauley, and we are going to talk about today soulful leadership. So let's start just by defining that for our listeners. How do you define soulful leadership? Well, a soulful leader, Marie, is someone who is authentic. They're the same at work as they are at home. They have high integrity, high ethics. They tend to be great listeners. They're empathic, and they're humble yet confident. And they can acknowledge when they make a mistake. They also introduce a kind of high spirit into their organization, but also they have good wit and can can relax with people and relax others. They're very interested in developing the potential in their employees, especially younger employees. And uh, obviously no leader can do this all the time, but in general, they create an environment where people want to lead with what I call AIE leadership, authenticity, integrity, and empathy. And it sort of permeates their, their, the environment that they're in. And people tend to conduct themselves that way even when their leader is not present because it becomes part of the culture. And so you have seen this in your work with leaders. Tell us a little bit about how you came to this AIE definition of leadership and, and what you've seen in your work. Well, because I treat a lot of people, Marie, in the in the corporate world, you know, CEOs, CFOs, and so forth, I've seen a lot of people who lead with aggression, who lead with intimidation, and become very unpopular to their employees. And we know now that if if your employees do not respect you, your profits go down. And I think once certain leaders realize this, that empathic leading with high integrity and 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 compassion allows people to feel better. It actually changes their brain chemistry for the better, and it makes them happier, happier people are more creative and more productive. But in my work with corporate leaders, I've noticed over many years that they often know how to achieve, but they don't necessarily know how to lead balanced lives. And their marriages and their relationships with children do not tend to be very good. And their relationships with their employees are on a very superficial uh, level. They, They don't really get very involved with people. And they don't necessarily know who's working for them on a, on a more uh, authentic level. So I try to bring these characteristics to an organization so that the environment itself can be happier. The environment itself can be more creative and that people wake up wanting to go to work, not dreading going to work. Yeah, it's so interesting, the numbers and science behind, as you're talking about here, being authentic in business is there anything else that you found is important about being authentic in business? Well, being authentic relaxes other people. You know, when you're authentic, there's no pretense. And what does the authenticity do? It produces the near miracle neurotransmitter oxytocin. And oxytocin really makes people feel comfortable. It makes them feel trustworthy and it promotes compassion. It, it reduces anxiety. It improves memory. And it reduces the stress hormone cortisol, which can be very, 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 uh, produce very negative consequences. And it, it produces a calmness in those around you and reduces addictive cravings and, and again, creates a, a good deal of creativity. So people really want to be with you. They want to negotiate with you. It's good for your customers as well. 
one of the most amazing things in my career is, you know, I wrote a book called The Power of Empathy in 2000, and I sensed that empathy caused brain changes, but we couldn't prove that until recent years. And now we know that empathy produces oxytocin, which makes your customers, your employees feel more comfortable with you and more trusting in you. When you relate with aggression, you produce the neurochemical cortisol, which has many, many negative consequences. I mean, cortisol increases anxiety, increases depression, it kills neurons in the memory center of the brain, it causes negative thinking, it limits clear thinking, and it, one of, it is one of the reasons that is really not talked about very much that causes weight gain. You know, cortisol causes an imbalance in, in the hormone cortisol in the body, and then it, it, it throws off blood sugar levels, which cause fat cells to enlarge in your stomach, and it causes a craving for sugary sweet substances, it breaks down muscle tissue, and increases inflammation. So one way of relating, a, a sort of egocentric way of relating, creates cortisol in the brain and, and creates a lot of negative consequences. And another way of relating with empathic listening creates oxytocin and serotonin, the neurochemical that's produced by antidepressants naturally in your employees, which makes them feel better and more trusting and, and more wanting to be in your presence and perform. And come and really be part of your mission. Yeah, it seems like a no a no brainer, if you will. When you talk about the brain science, and it seems like it should be common sense, but business has always thought that empathy was such a negative. You've mentioned the word addiction a couple of times in your answers here. Talk to me about how addiction relates to this, and what type of addiction are you talking about here? Well. You know, I coined the term performance addiction, Marie, back when I wrote a book on that subject in, I think, 2004, and I find that many people in the corporate world have performance addiction. It's the belief that perfecting appearance and achieving status will secure love and respect. It's an irrational belief system that begins early in life in your family, and it's reinforced by our culture. These are people who tend to believe that they can perfect their way into happiness. And, of course, it's a myth. It's not possible but it drives people to, to work harder and to work faster. And when they don't get results, they either tend to work more and more and wear themselves down, and it produces very poor self-care as well. They don't eat well. They don't sleep as much as they need to, or they wake up during the night. They tend to drink more, eat more of the sugary, fatty substances because they are so stressed. So performance addiction it, it is a kind of addiction that's not like alcoholism or, or, or other drugs, but it makes you live the life of an addict in a sense because you always have to be in motion. You always have to be working. You can't settle down and calm yourself so that you can be in intimate relationships and know how to sustain intimacy. Many performance addictions, they, addicts, they know how to achieve, but they don't know how to really connect with other human beings. So interesting. It's like a different level of the perfectionism that we read and kind of workaholicism all all rolled together. Yes, it's a a workaholism, but, you know, it focuses on these two aspects of our culture. We need to look great and we need to have status, and and we come to believe that that's the way you gain love and respect, and it, it really is not true. I mean, people who are truly loved for who they are, it's because of how they are. It's not because of what they've achieved or what their title is or how their resume reads or the size of their house or their portfolios. It's because people care about you because how you are. Soulful leaders walk into their building. They speak to the receptionist. They know the secretaries. They know who cuts the lawn. They know who does the landscaping. They know who services their copy machines and, and, and services their computers. They, they, don't value, they don't see anyone as less value than anyone else. So they lead from what I call the, the, the bottom up rather than the top down. You know, so many leaders only associate with the people at the top and make the people throughout their organization feel less than. Soulful leaders recognize that they want to know other people. They want to know everyone in their organization. I'm not saying that they would be able to know them intimately, but they, they want to have some sense of who, who's with them. And therefore, they create people that really want to be part of their mission because they know that they're cared for, not just because of what they, what they do, but also because of the way they interact with others. You know, it's been proven by several studies that people in that kind of an environment, in a soulful culture, 
will even work for less money because they, they enjoy coming to work so much. They enjoy being part of the team they're in that they will actually work for less money than in other organizations where they'd be paid more, but they'd be treated more poorly. Yeah, interesting. There's such a drive to be part of bigger than ourselves and that sense of belonging, which of course is one of our basic needs that oftentimes we don't consider, we don't think about it just as much as food and shelter is that sense of belonging and a leader can either create that or not. Yes. Yes, and I and I think you know as, as you were alluding to before, empathy, authenticity, integrity was seen as kind of soft skills in the in previous years that didn't really lead to greater profits. And what many business leaders real, realize now is they do it does lead to greater profits because happier people are more creative people and they work harder, and and then and they don't they're not overly stressed. So when you're overly stressed, your ability to see all the variables in a situation is very limited. You know, it, it sort of takes your empathic range from a wide lens camera to a very black and white, narrow way of thinking. Um, so we know that when people feel good about the environment they're in, they produce more. And, you know, and there's organizations, and I, I cite this in my book, that there's organizations that have proven that pe- cultures that have more empathy perform, you know, 20 to 40% better than cultures that have less empathy. Interesting. Well, we have to take a break. We'll take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking here about soulful leadership and the pieces and parts that make that happen so that you can be a more soulful leader. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello and welcome back to The Career Confidant. This is your host, Marie Zimanoff, and today we've been joined by Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley, licensed clinical psychologist who's been treating clients and among those leaders of businesses and has really found that connection between authenticity, integrity, and empathy and how it creates leadership within an organization and the bottom line that results. And Arthur, we were talking about empathy and sympathy a lot in our first segment. Mm-hmm. Some people get those confused, so let's define them for everyone. Well, empathy is the capacity to understand and respond to the unique experiences of another. It's very fact-based and it's very objective. Sympathy rushes into console based on, based on identifying with another person. I'll give you a quick example, Marie. I have a client who moved here from California, and her dad had passed away about a year ago 
who she was extremely close to, and she was devastated by the loss of her father. So she heard about a neighbor down the street uh, where she lives, who she had met a couple of times very briefly, that her dad had passed. So she went down with, with flowers and some food, and she rang the doorbell of the woman who just lost her father, and, and when the woman answered, she said, oh my God, I can't believe you must be devastated. My dad passed away last year, and I'm devastated, and it must be horrible for you. And the woman looked at her, and she said, you know, I appreciate your kindness, but my father left us when we were two years old. I, I have had more conversation with you right now in this five minutes than I had with my father in my entire life. I never saw my dad. So, uh, unfortunately... Unfortunately, I know you're being very kind, but I don't feel devastated. So you see, she, she was sympathetic toward that woman. She, she rushed in with sympathy without having the facts. Empathy would have sat back and said, you know, what kind of relationship did you have with your dad? Were you close to your dad? You know, how, how often did you see your father? It would have sought out some facts before reacting. Sympathy is, is a quick reaction based on identifying with another person and assuming that they have the same experience that we do. Empathy doesn't assume that. It looks at everyone as unique, and, and it tries to understand the unique experiences of another, not based on what we've experienced in life, but how that other per person has experienced whatever situation they've encountered. Interesting. And as you were talking about leaders needing empathy and, and often feeling like they can't have it or perhaps getting kind of addicted to the performance and the dog-eat-dog culture, if you will, of corporate America, you talked a little bit about their inability to have real relationships or maybe problems with family and marriage. Um, yes. What happens there? Why is love elusive for corporate leaders? Well, I think because many corporate leaders, although they can be very competent in the business world and they, they tend to be intelligent and, and sometimes have good business sense, that, what, that people can assume that they have the same abilities in the personal world. But a lot of their drive, especially performance addictions drive, is to overcompensate for a lack of self-esteem growing up. You know, so many of our, our famous leaders have come from families where they weren't given enough compassion or maybe there was alcoholism or drug addiction in the family or maybe they were the, the child of perfectionistic parents. So they've grown up thinking that the way to get love is through achievement and they don't, they don't really understand and they haven't developed enough empathy to know how to maintain intimacy with another person. So they can be good in their world but then they come home and expect you know, to be idealized and adored in the way they might have been in their business world because, you know, if you're the CEO of a company, people can be deferential to you. It's, you know, I've treated a lot of physicians in my career and, you know, oftentimes a male physician will come home and, and be treating his wife like she's a nurse, you know, kind of expecting her to do this and do that without being in a relationship of equality. So a lot of times people that have achieved on very high levels have worked an inordinate amount of hours to get ahead because they really have, that has been the way that they have got some applause in life. But, you know, that kind of applause is fleeting. It's like winning an award. You feel good when you get it, but then two, two days later you've got to reproduce. And, you know, if, if you feel like the only way that you can obtain love is, is through what you do, you don't believe that you have very much to give other people. You, you know, we see this a lot with retired people. They're constantly telling you about what they used to be, what they used to do you know, the companies they used to have, and because they, they have such little faith knowing how to, that they can know how to relate and they can be valued for who they are, not just what they do. It's what I call image love. You know, many performance addictions and many people in high positions marry and choose others based on their resume but not really knowing the other person. That's why their marriages tend to be so difficult and often they fail. And it's the um, it's two way street, right? Not only do those high performers perhaps choose a partner based on that, but they're most likely being chosen for that same reason, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah. not really going to a deeper level with friendships. I've even yeah. seen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, they they tend to be intense, and performance addictions are all performance addicts are always comparing and contrasting themselves to others. And then they do the same with their spouses, and then they do the same with their children. So, you know, they can drive people crazy with that perfectionism and that belief that, 
in order to be happy and content, you need to achieve more and be more at all times. So they don't know how to relax and just have fun. They don't know how to relax and be happy. They don't know how to be calm. There's an intensity to their personalities that doesn't allow them to have a dimmer switch. You know, they, they don't know how to turn the dial down and be present. So if someone is listening and they're thinking, hmm, <laughs> this is me, what are some of the steps that they can take to start making change in their relationships and, and in their bigger organization? What are some well, of I the things I, that they can do differently? I think one thing is to realize that this is empathy is probably the greatest capacity we can develop. We're all born with empathy in mirror neurons. And if you don't learn how to express empathy early in life, it's like a muscle that atrophies, but you, anybody can be taught to expand their empathy. And it is the one capacity that makes people more successful in their personal and professional lives. But if you don't have empathy, you're not going to be comfortable in your own skin and you're not really going to know how to connect to others and even in the business world, you know, how do you know what your customers really want if you don't have empathy and you can't read them accurately? You know, then you're, then you're more sort of trying to sell them what you think they want rather than what they need, what their organizations need. And in a marriage, empathy means that you, you really fall in love with who the person is beyond the surface, beyond what someone looks like. You fall in love with their character, who they are what type of person they are, what their values are, their honesty, their integrity, their dependability. Those kind of qualities really sustain relationships, not just talking about how much money we have or how big our house is or always comparing ourselves to the neighbors. Yeah, and that kind of comes down to that authenticity piece as a, a leader and perhaps someone who's had this outlook on, on leadership and life uh, can be difficult to really figure out who you are authentically because you're yeah. so used to putting on that front. Yes, exactly, exactly, Marie. And I think that we, we can't make these changes alone. We're all too subjective. That's why, you know, I have leadership and, and I have leadership groups that have been on, communication groups that have been ongoing for many years because in a group of people that are being objective with each other and you get realistic feedback. And you, you kind of rewrite the old story that you had about yourself. Everybody grows up with biases one way or the other. And our job as adults is to get feedback from other people that we know care about us and be open to it so that we can start to rewrite that story, make what was once a fictional account a nonfiction book. And I think we all have to do that because nobody grows up knowing exactly who they are accurately. We all need feedback from other people. We can't figure this out just by ourselves. And how does this relate to your idea of soulful listening? Well, soulful listening means that you use empathy to enter the heart and soul of another human being. And when you do that, again, you're producing the neurochemical oxytocin, which makes both parties feel comfortable, trusting, and want to maintain intimacy with each other. It's a near-miracle neurotransmitter, as I said earlier. But soulful listening is so different than egocentric listening. You know, egocentric listening is all about what I want, and those are people and leaders who often interrupt. They, they really don't lead with an, a, a, a desire to understand the other person, and they're doing what one of my clients always calls reloading. You know, while you're talking, they're thinking about their response, so they're not really listening. They have an agenda on their minds all the time. Soulful listening relaxes people. It makes them want to talk to you. It, it produces a, a brain change that creates a very high-spirited atmosphere, and it naturally allows for productivity and creativity, and it makes people want to be in your presence. And when you create an environment like that, it, it, whether it's a family environment or a business environment, people tend to thrive. Uh, so interesting. And, you know, on so many different levels, personally, leadership-wise, Always, we're always working that we can do for ourselves and always work that we can do for ourselves that helps our organization. And mm -hmm. I guess my last question here, and maybe as we kind of wrap this up, how is a soulful organization created? And maybe that goes back to some of the tips you were just giving in terms of how someone starts to make this change. But give us one or two things that someone can do to start creating a soulful organization. Well, you know, a soulful organization 
is created by the way leaders treat the people who are their peers and the people up above them and below them. So we, we have to be, as I mentioned earlier, empathic and really try to listen. And high ethics and high integrity are critical. Authenticity, as you mentioned, Marie, but being humble and yet confident. And humble, what I mean is when we make a mistake, acknowledge the mistake. It, you know, so that other people can acknowledge their mistakes. They don't have to be pressured by being perfect. We're in an environment now in the corporate world and, may, and, and also politically where rather than people acknowledging when they make a mistake, they blame. They blame others and then they get angry with others and get aggressive so that people can't give each other honest feedback. And if you're in an environment where you can't give honest feedback, people don't grow. You know, 70% of American workers say they're afraid to ask questions at work of the people in authority positions. That's, a, that's, a, that's an amazing percentage of people that are uncomfortable even asking a question. The amount of bullying in the corporate world has really shut down the ability to interact openly. And that's what a soulful culture is. It's an open environment where people can ask questions, they can give input, they don't have to be perfect, they, they feel comfortable speaking up. And everyone is trying to help others reach their potential, actualize their potential. So as we um, kind of close up this portion of the show here, share with listeners how they can connect with you and how they can find your most recent book, The Soulful Leader. Well, um, my, my website is balanceyoursuccess.com. You can read about the book, The Soulful Leader, at, on the website, or openbooks.com is my publisher, and the book is now available on Kindle and in paperback on Amazon as well. So any of those outlets, you could obtain the book or read about it. Wonderful. Um, the website, one more time? Balanceyoursuccess.com. Balanceyoursuccess.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today and sharing all of this wisdom. It's so on topic and current with what our leaders need to be successful and to grow as leaders. So listeners, if you've been listening today, we're going to say goodbye to Dr. Uh, <laughs> I'm just getting all name, tongue-tied today. <laughs> uh, well, I guess in the um, spirit of of being authentic, it, it would be silly of me to try to be perfect, wouldn't it? But Dr. That's Arthur right, Sierra right. McCauley, we've enjoyed talking to you today, and we will um, be saying goodbye to him, but we'll be back with the show in just a few minutes. So stay with us, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. And we'll say thank you to Dr. Sierra McCauley. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you tapped your full potential as a leader? Sometimes you have to go a little deeper and connect with your inner force. Join host Angela King as she invites you to discover something that already lies within you and helps you become a better leader. Your most important connection is the one you have with yourself. It's time to connect, ignite, and rise. It's time for Inner Force. Tune in live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. are tuned into the career confidant with marie zimanoff if you have a question or comment for marie or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to marie at a strategic now back to the career confidant Welcome back to the Career Confidant, and today we were talking with Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley, who wrote the book, Soulful Leader, and defines this soulful leader as authenticity and empathy and integrity. Very interesting, you know, the idea of soft skills and now you know we've got this great emotional intelligence that we talk about it and makes it such a more rich discussion and much more important in leadership and in job search everyone's talking about emotional intelligence it is important and as he was talking about it does make a business impact for all of the reasons that we were talking about. Of course, people are more creative. They want to work places. They're more engaged when the leadership of an organization and their coworkers have real, authentic relationships. So I'm going to kind of pick this apart and tease it apart a few different ways here. Um, one of them is that this idea sounds so obvious. It sounds like common sense. Um and yet, I know a lot of people who work in organizations where it just isn't valued, and in fact, it might almost get people in trouble, right, if they walked in and started trying to lead differently, lead authentically, um, to take off the face and to not be perfect would cause real problems, And Brene Brown talks about vulnerability a lot. And to me, these ideas are very related. That being vulnerable is important. And yet we have to have a safe space to do that. And it's hurtful to not realize that vulnerability or being an authentic leader takes the right culture. So if you're in a place where you feel like this isn't valued or, um, you know, but you might be looked down upon if you were more authentic as a leader. That tells us something, right? And if you can't make a change right away, or perhaps you want to try to make a change in your organization, you start, start with small changes, as empathy shouldn't cause huge ripples in your organization. We can start there. Dr. Sierra McCauley called it soulful listening, where we're actually paying attention to other people instead of having an agenda, um, where we're trying to get to know people for who they are. You might take people aback when you start interacting with them differently, but it probably won't get you in any trouble. That can be a small step that you can take to start leading more authentically, start having those more authentic relationships with people in your organization and see where it goes. See how it moves through your organization as you're having these conversations with people. Obviously, we're still going to have our, our integrity. And as as we were talking, balancing that confidence and humility, oftentimes people think that if you're humble, it's a it's a downside. We did a whole show on that, right? That the people look down on you if you're humble, but it doesn't have to be humble to the point of um, being deflecting. It's humble in that you're willing to learn and willing to take feedback, which was another big piece of, of what we were talking about earlier on the show, is that you have to be able to take feedback to know where you can interact with people differently and to just be an authentic real person um, to admit that you're not perfect and 
build those relationships with people by admitting those mistakes and talking through them with others maybe a totally different way for people to see you and it can feel very vulnerable it can feel like people will think less of you because you're going to interact with them that way and and that may be a few steps down the road we can just start with empathy and making those real connections with people and see where that goes it's what can can you do to take a step towards more authenticity towards more connection in your organization. And this isn't just for leaders. This is going to make those of us in any type of role in an organization more successful uh, because people are going to really want to be on our team, whether that's as a peer or as a subordinate or a leader. Um, We can do this 360 degrees and make our our position stronger within an organization, no matter what that position is, which is a great upside of starting to interact this way more within our organizations. You don't have to be a leader right now for this, for, for this to be beneficial for you. So that authenticity is important. Now, the other piece of authenticity that is often troubling for people who've been in a high performance culture you may not know what that really means. What does it mean to be authentic? What does it mean to show up at, at work and be more yourself, to not be so perfectionist or performance focused? Um, what are those qualities of yourself that you want people to see beyond maybe what you've been projecting? And a few ideas here. Um First of all, is to get some of the feedback, and he talked about that, having people share with you how they see you. I use a tool, the 360 Reach. 360 Reach, it's a tool that lets people give you feedback about your brand, because that's really what we're talking about here in the broadest, most um, inclusive sense of the word, which is the way I use it most of the time. Your brand is who you are, what you stand for, why your, your why for working or working in the industry you do or with the company that you do or in the role that you're in. Your brand is really your who, what, why, where, what drives you and what are those key aspects of yourself that are both authentic to you and visible to others. And then, of course, there may be aspects to yourself that are authentic to you that aren't visible to others that you want to make more visible. So going through a process of identifying those, really figuring out what am, what am I? Who am I? Where do I come from? And how might I align those two, not by trying to be something that I'm not, but realizing the authentic parts of myself that may not be and how I can make those more visible. And of course, we may have qualities for ourselves that we want to strive for and may have to be a little bit careful in evaluating those and making sure they're not um, a function of our performance addiction. But there are things we might want to work on about ourselves and that's okay too. And this circles back to a conversation we had a while back on the difference between role versus identity. And as Dr. Sierra McCauley was talking about our trouble sometimes when we retire, our identity kind of being wrapped up in our role, this is a problem that happens, you know, early on in our life where we get confused about who we are being defined by what we are. And then when we're no longer that thing, we don't know who we are. We don't have a connection to our value. And I tend to look at my six-month-old son and think about that he doesn't have to be anything to be valuable. If you're not into kids, that might not work for you. We might think a puppy or a kitty or whatever it is in your worldview that is that innocent and intrinsic value. It is a symbol of that to you. Right? My son doesn't have to be anything different or do anything different to have value. But we get wrapped up in our roles and trying to play those roles. And when our value gets connected to our performance in those roles, it causes a whole bunch of problems. 
then we're not doing things because they are the right things to do or the best things to do long term for us or for others. We're doing things because it gives us the most visibility and the most pats on the back and helps us take our thought about ourselves up a rung. And it's really all based on superficial performance instead of those real intrinsic authentic qualities about ourselves that we want others to see and that we want to judge ourselves based on and so one of the recommendations from my sandler sales um, coach was to start tracking my days and my performance if you will based on those qualities instead of the act you know, other ways that you might trace your or uh, track your performance. So was I accessible today? Was I empathetic today? Was I really listening today? And to start judging myself based on those characteristics of myself that are who I am and valuing those and also making sure that I'm staying connected to them and working on them, if you will, continuing to perfect them instead of perfecting my performance. If you can do that without taking a perfectionist approach to those qualities, always a a challenge for those of us who are recovering perfectionists. Um, So that becomes our challenge in being authentic and really being vulnerable, taking baby steps there, being realistic about the culture that we're in and the amount of authenticity and vulnerability that we want to have in those spaces, practicing it at home where hopefully vulnerability and empathy and authenticity is, is welcomed and enriches our, our home life. And then thinking about how we judge our performance, how we judge our identity versus our role. If we're getting those two things confused and tend to be focused on getting feedback around our role instead of getting and giving feedback around our identity, who we are and the value that we intrinsically bring to the world. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll wrap this up and talking about how you can become a more soulful leader, no matter where you are in your organization. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. 
If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we are talking with Arthur Sierra McCauley, who is author of The Soulful Leader, and talking about ways that you can integrate this into your leadership, that you can start changing your leadership style or perhaps just your interaction style with others so that you can be more successful in your career. And we talked a a little bit about authenticity in just our last segment. I want to dive into empathy. So he gave a definition of empathy that it's really about identifying others' perceptions, others' feelings, others' reactions to something, not necessarily identifying with them and kind of assuming they feel the same way that we do about something, which is sympathy. And empathy is a skill that you can learn, which is great for all of us, right? It's something that you can work on and build up. And it's interesting, I've coached leaders around empathy And a lot of times the mental block that we start with around empathy is that empathy enables babying or that empathy enables us to not hold people accountable. Not true. So working with a leader and he was having trouble with an employee not pulling his weight, not doing his share, not showing up and getting it done, right? And this was in a more blue-collar setting, so it was very important that everybody showed up and got their work done because there's a lot of work to do, heavy lifting, heavy labor, and it was pretty obvious when someone didn't show up and do what they were supposed to do. Now, this person had taken an emotional intelligence assessment and identified empathy as one of the areas to work on. When we first started to talk about it and, you know, what was the issue there, what were some of the things that um, were maybe getting in the way of being empathetic, he said, well, I don't want to give this guy a break. I don't really care why he doesn't get the work done. He just needs to get his work done. All right, there now we can start with that. Because empathy isn't giving the guy a pass for not getting his work done. Empathy is simply the belief that I can connect with this person, try to figure out what's getting in the way, and perhaps have some insight into motivating them differently. And not just for the sake of motivating them, but also for the sake of connecting and empathizing. And so as we talked, you know, he said, oh, yeah, you know, we've had some conversations and we sat down and we've kind of talked about a few things. Um, but I always feel like it's an excuse. And so the challenge there for that leader, and, you know, I can't give you any answers on how to make that right, but the challenge for him was to find a balance between connecting, listening, understanding, empathizing, which means you know, trying to really understand what's going on for that individual and yet still having the accountability. And for each leader, that's going to be different. And as through our coaching relationship, we identified ways that he could do that. But a lot of it was just a mental block around equating those two things, that empathizing and trying to understand automatically means that then we don't hold the person accountable you can do both, right? You can be empathetic and yet still hold people accountable. It will just take a little bit more figuring on how you want to communicate it, what types of conversations you want to have. And we work through kind of a four-part process of giving that feedback in terms of listening and understanding and then sharing what needed to happen next time, the people that were impacted by his lack of accountability and how he was going to go through giving that feedback. But it didn't have to discount the person's situation or 
discount the need for their doing the work that they had to do. So empathy doesn't mean lack of accountability. The other thing that I've heard leaders talk about is empathy meaning weakness. And this kind of goes back to some of that Brene Brown vulnerability stuff. Yes, empathy could be seen as a weakness because you're being vulnerable, you're taking the time to listen, not just holding a, a hard line. But most of the time, it's actually seen as a strength because you are taking the time to understand where someone's coming from. And maybe you're coming up with more creative solutions. Maybe you're coming up with a real solution, whereas holding a, you know, holding a strong line about accountability really wasn't getting the performance that you needed anyway. And when you back off and, and have a conversation, figure out what's really going on, you can engage that person in coming up with solutions that really work better for everyone. So it doesn't have to be seen as a weakness in how you deliver it and how you have those conversations with people. And yes, being vulnerable might be seen as a weakness. And you'll have to decide how you want to navigate that in your organization. Most of the leaders that I've worked with, even in organizations where they felt like having some authenticity and vulnerability were going to be harmful for them, found a way to do it in a way that was a strength, in a way that had benefits with their interpersonal relationships, with their teams. And they actually found that not trusting and not trusting their teams enough to be authentic and to be vulnerable was causing more problems than they thought it was. Building trust within your team, building trust as a leader takes authenticity, takes vulnerability. And that lack of trust is often part of the culprit behind all of those negatives that we talked about at the beginning of the show. The lack of profits, the lack of of creativity, the people not asking questions or sharing innovative ideas because they don't trust you. And if you're not being authentic and communicating and vulnerable, you're having a hard time building that trust. So I hope that you will go and take some steps that you can take in your organization to be a more soulful leader, to be a more more soulful colleague, and start to see the benefits that it will have for your career. We'll be back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Always welcome your ideas, your thoughts, your questions. And we look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. 